thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, for those of you in the front row, if these snakes get out, just be careful, okay? They're, they're not poisonous, but they could bite. That's all I'm saying. But, but no, listen, it is always an, an honor and a privilege to, to be able to stand and to preach. And uh, uh, I appreciate Pastor Anthony so much. And man, I love sitting under his preaching. And uh, he asked me to preach on Memorial Day because usually about 10 people show up. But we, we fooled him today. Look at this. Good crowd. We had a good crowd in the 9 o'clock service and, and a good crowd now. And listen, uh, just so grateful that you're here. And uh, one of my former students is here today. I'm not going to embarrass him. Call his name out, but Robbie Watson, it's good to see you out there. Uh, he, he, uh, he is, uh, he's visiting here today with his wife and, and their family are here at Connect Church. So it's good to see everybody. Um, if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at a few passages in the New Testament. I got some of them on the screen, some of them I don't. But, uh, but you know, this year will mark 200 and the 246th anniversary of an event that affected everyone here today. It's uh, it, it, 246 years ago this July, the Continental Congress signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, there were 56 signers of that document, and other than John Adams, John Hancock, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, you probably don't know a whole lot about the others unless you're just a real big history buff. Anyway, I didn't know a whole lot about the others until I started preparing for this message, but... But what happened to these men? What kind of men were they? Uh, There was 24 of them were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers. 4 physicians. And they had 2 ministers uh, there that signed the declaration. They were were men of means. They were well-educated men. And they were well-respected men in their community. But they knew full well going into this thing that they were not only signing the Declaration of Independence but they were also literally signing their own death warrants. Because from that day until our independence was won, they were sought after by the British Army. They were, they were killed, some of them, some of them thrown into prison, some of them tortured. Most of them lost everything they owned. Most of the original signers were men of means, wealthy men, but their lives ended in poverty. Men like Thomas McKean, who was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family from, from town to town, from home to home. He served in Congress without any pay, and his family was kept in hiding ever since the day he signed that document. His, all of his possessions were eventually taken from him, and poverty was basically his reward for what he had done. Carter Braxton of Virginia was a wealthy planter and a, also a trader. He saw some of his ships just taken out of the ocean, swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and property just to pay his debts. And he literally died with the, just the clothes that he had on his back. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. The British invaded and their 13 children along with him fled for their lives and they were all scattered out. His fields and his grist mill were laid to waste and he laid in, in, in really in hiding for more than a year. And when he finally returned home, of course, he found his wife had died and his children were all but vanished. None of them he could not find at that point. And the story goes on to say a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. 
Five of these signers were captured by British as traitors. They were tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two sons were captured and tortured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships from this Revolutionary War. Such were the stories and sacrifices of this American Revolution. These men had security, but they valued liberty more. They stood tall and they were unwavering in their pledge. And this is the very last line of the Declaration of Independence. They pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It's because of these men we can come to this building today and freely worship Jesus Christ. It's because of the men and women that we remember on this Memorial Day who stood for, who fought for, and who died for our country that we have the right to be called the citizens of the United States of America. You see, freedom and privilege for us to be called citizens has always come at a very high price tag. These 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence gave their lives, their fortunes, and their honor. But I want to share with you today another citizenship that we're offered. It's a citizenship of, of greater importance and much greater value. One that we could never earn on our own, but that we are freely given when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus he came to this earth to sacrifice and surrender to the will of the Father. He went to the cross in our place. He died on that cross in our place. He paid our debt uh, sin, sin uh, on that cross. He paid for our sins. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave up His life for us. He gave up the, the fortune and splendor of heaven. And as far as honor goes, the Bible says He made Himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. And He did this so we could be called sons and daughters of God. He did this because, so we could be called citizens of heaven. Look what the Bible says, it, the, Paul said to the church at Philippi about us being those citizens. He said, For I, as I have told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but he says, our citizenship is in heaven. He goes on to tell the church at Colossians about the same thing. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son, whom He loves. There's that citizenship. He has brought us into the kingdom of Jesus, the one He loves. You see, church, citizenship calls for us, His church, to live a life that pleases God, 
to live out who we are in Jesus Christ. It calls us to focus on the eternal, not just the temporary things that are here on this earth. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you ever just examined your life and said, is my life pleasing to God? What, what does that look like on a daily basis to live a life that pleases God? And, and, and where does that even begin? If you ask a hundred people that question, you're probably going to come up with a hundred different answers. But I want to look at what the Bible says about pleasing God and living as citizens of heaven. Now, if, if you're following in your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Genesis for just a minute. And the book of Genesis chapter 5 is one of those chapters that if you're reading through the Bible, you start to read a couple of verses and then you just check out. Because it's one of those, if you have a King James Bible, it says this person begat that person and so on and so forth. It's, a, it's, a, it's the generations between Adam and Noah. That's what the chapter 5 of, of Genesis is. But about three quarters of the way down in verses 21 through 24, the Bible talks of a man and his name is Enoch. And Enoch evidently was a little special because he got a little bit added to his, to his uh, uh, verses there. Listen to what the Bible says. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God had taken him away. And, and listen, Enoch was so special that he got some Scripture written about him in the New Testament. In, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that, that chapter that's about the hall of fame of faith. This is what the Bible says. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not have to experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him. For before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and believe that He rewards those who earnestly seek after Him. See, in these two passages... Oh, and by the way, did you catch this? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Enoch had so much faith and it pleased God in such a way that God said, Okay, Enoch, I'm going to give you your personal rapture. One day, we're going to, the, the church is going to be raptured, but Enoch, you're going to get to know what it's like before the church finds out. And he just took him away with him to be in heaven with him. I think that's awesome. But here's the deal. In these two passages of Scripture, we see that Enoch was a man, first of all, who pleased God. Enoch was a man who walked with God, who lived his daily life with God. He understood the importance of spending time with God daily. Enoch was a man of great faith, again, that the Bible says that by faith he was taken from this life and he didn't even have to experience death. Man, what a way to be, to just take it. And listen, trivia question, there's two men in the Bible. Enoch was one, there's one other that didn't die, he was taken to heaven. That's your homework, find out who that is. Next week you come tell Pastor Anthony and we'll give you a snow cone in advance today, okay, for your answer. So, but you can look that up. But listen, by these two passages of Scripture here, we can see that pleasing God, listen, it begins and it always evolves around our faith. The Bible says, For by grace you're saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. See, we can't develop this faith on our own. It's through God's grace, and He gives us the faith. But listen, we are free to choose, and we have to act on that faith. 
He doesn't force it on us, but he puts it out there and he says, listen, I'm giving you this faith. And if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus, there may be a point in this service that you, you feel him kind of knocking on your heart's door. And that's he's giving you that faith to respond to him. But it's, it's, it's that faith that pleases God. And listen, it's the same faith that we, uh, we use when we come to Jesus in the beginning, when we originally trust Jesus and we make Him Lord of our lives and we trust Him to take us to heaven one day. It's that same faith He wants us to exercise and use in our daily lives by relying on Him, by spending time with Him. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. One of my favorite Bible verses. It says, it says Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Are, are any of you like me that every now and then you, you try to lean on your own understanding a little bit? Amen. Thank you for your honesty, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. And you know, most of the time when I do that, you know what happens to me? I crash and burn. I, I, you know, and I can use that terminology because I saw that new Top Gun movie on Thursday. Listen, it's really good. Tom Cruise, I figured, you know, he's going to be on a cane, but he was flying those jets and shooting people out of the sky. It was really good. Go see it. Back to the message now. But listen... When we, when, we when we put our trust in selves, listen, we crash and burn a lot, don't we? Things don't go the way that we want them to, and especially don't go the way God intends them to go. But, li but listen to what the rest of that verse says. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. Or one translation says, Submit to Him. Another one says, Seek His will in everything that you do. Eugene, Henderson, uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message says this, Listen for God's voice in everything you do or everywhere you go. He is the one who will keep you on track. Listen, it's about a daily walk with Him. It's about putting your faith and your trust in Him every day. We, almost, we, we also must learn to, to seek Him above and before anyone or anything else. Listen, it's okay to come to someone for advice, but first, go, go, to the, go to the one who created you for advice. Ask Him. See what His Word says. Ask His Holy Spirit who lives in you, if you're a believer, to reveal to you, to illuminate to you the Bible and what it says that we should do, how we should act, how we should live, because that's one of His jobs. That's one of His responsibilities, the Holy Spirit in us. He communicates what God says to us, and He brings it to life. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek Jesus first and His righteousness. Don't worry about things on this earth because they'll all be added to, to you. He's going to take care of you if you seek Him first. You see, our lives are about surrendering and following Jesus. Our lives are about being pow empowered by His Holy Spirit that lives in us. It's not just about a Sunday experience, but it's an everyday lifestyle, walking with Jesus. Our lives are not about us. Our lives should be all about Him, and, and, and we should be screaming that to the world the way we live. I used to know a, a, a young, I, I worked with this guy. Man, he was a dear friend of mine. And listen, somebody in the first service knew him. They came up to me after the serve message and said, hey, I knew Marty. Marty Jett, dear friend of mine. He went on to be with the Lord when he was about 51 years old. And I remember me and another friend that used to work with Marty talked about Enoch. 
and how he pleased God, and God just took him away. And I believe if I have ever been around anybody that pleased God, it was this man named Marty Jett. Marty worked with me at A&A Rentals. We were like co-managers, but you wouldn't know it because Marty would just get out there and do the dirty work. He would go to load scaffolding. He would go do whatever it took. And while he did it, he would talk to Jesus the whole time. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding. Customers would come into the store and say, Hey, listen, I think there's something a little wrong with that guy down there in the backyard. He's talking to himself. And we would all laugh and we'd say, No, he's not talking to himself. He's talking to Jesus. And what was great, those same customers a few weeks later would be coming to Marty. Say, Hey, Marty, would you pray for me about something? Can I share something with you? Marty would come in after a weekend. I'd say, hey, Marty, how was your weekend? Oh, man, it was great. Me and Jesus went fishing. We just slayed the trout this weekend. And literally, he would. He would fish. And he, you, you'd be on one end of the hole, and he'd be on the other. And he'd say, okay, Jesus, let's catch a big one. And he, he, but that was his lifestyle. That was his lifestyle. He was a man who walked with Jesus. Charles Spurgeon puts walking with Jesus this way. He says, A true child of God lives wholly and completely for God. He is not merely a Christian when he goes up to the place of worship and sings the praise of the Lord, but he seeks to live for God as soon as he opens his eyes in the morning until he closes them again at night. It is for God that he eats and drinks and for God that he buys and sells and works and gives and saves or does whatever is right for him to do. You see, we please God by living out our faith in Christ and daily walking with Him, just spending time with Him. That's all He wants. And listen, sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to find that alone time, but you have to, you have to make that time. Because listen, if you just go through your normal day, it's not going to be there. You're interrupted a lot. You know, in the book of Luke, we see more evidence, I believe, of where spending time with God is 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 the one thing where pleasing Him begins. Look at this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and 32. It's a story of, of two women, and they, Jesus is invited into, into their home, and they have two different personalities, and they have two vif- different views of this visit. Listen to this story. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman <clears throat> named Martha opened up her home to him. Martha was the older sister. It was her home. She opened up the home. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And then she looks at Jesus and says, Tell her to help me. Tell her to get up out of the floor and get to work. That's what Martha was asking Jesus to do. And then Jesus responded, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And he said, Mary has chosen what is better. And he says, it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of distractions in life, isn't there? I mean, we get busy, we get distracted, and, and like Martha, you know, when I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, okay, which of these two personalities am I more like? And unfortunately, a lot of the times, I'm a, I'm a Martha, okay? Now, don't start calling me, Dominic's going to start calling me Martha now, I know he will. But, but I respond that way, but, but listen, to the, listen, to the, um, listen to the differences here in, in these two women's lives. Martha was anxious. 
Jesus is coming. I got to clean my house. I got to make sure the food's just perfect. She was anxious. But listen, Mary was just content to sit at his feet. Martha was distracted by everything going on, but Mary was laser focused. Martha was concerned with self and with the appearance of everything. Mary's eyes were on Jesus. Martha was worried about, about every, the food, the house, all this stuff, but Mary was literally lost in Jesus' words. She, the Bible says she listened to his words. Martha was looking at the temporary, and Mary was focused on the eternal. She was focused on Jesus Christ. And Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, this one thing, the only thing is needed. And Mary has found it, and it will not be taken away from her. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know and claim to know exactly what the judgment's going to be like. I know that we are not going to be judged for our sin because Christ was judged for our sin. He paid that debt. But we do have to give an account of our good and bad deeds. And, and you know, that question may just be asked, follower of Jesus, what did you do with Him while you were here on this earth? Did you spend time with Him? Did you surrender your life daily to Him? What did you do with the opportunity that you had to walk with Jesus while you lived on this earth? I don't know. just could be that way. But you know, just like Martha's life, our lives are busy. We get distracted. Listen, some things we, 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 uh, we bring on ourselves, don't we? Sometimes, wives, do your husband ever bring on things themselves? Sometimes you can say it's okay to say yes in church. You can say that. Sometimes we bring things on ourselves by our actions. By the way, how many of you have ever been driving on a road trip, you don't stop and ask for directions? Of course, now you've got phones, you know, but some of you still don't even know about that, and you don't even use that. But, but I never ask for directions. We just, we'll figure it out. I've gotten lost a lot of times in my life, too. But, but we do those things, right? But, but, many, uh, uh, but other things, listen, happen to us that we have no control over. Many of you know that my mom has been in the hospital for almost five weeks. I mean, she had to, due to some complications after her surgery, uh, she, she's been in the hospital. She got to come back home to Sevier County in a rehab for a week, had to go back to the hospital. Now she's at another specialty rehab, and she's been bounced around. And, and, and one of those bad times when she was in pretty bad shape, um, I was, I was kind of, I guess, maybe feeling sorry for myself. I was a little distracted. I was, I was feeling anxious. I was worried about her, feeling bad for my dad because he's 83 and he's having to drive back and forth to Knoxville. And you're not going to tell him, Dad, you can't drive back and forth to Knoxville every day because he is going to drive back and forth to Knoxville every day. He thinks nobody in that hospital is capable of taking care of Mom but him, all right? Of course, after 62 years of marriage, he has that right. You know, he's got that right. But, but I was in this situation where I was a little worried, and, and, you know, I think mamas can sense stuff like that, right? Mamas can sense that stuff. And Pastor Anthony stood up here a few weeks ago and, and said that I got the best of, of my mom. I hope I just get a fraction of, of my mom because, listen, she called me over to her bed. And, oh, and by the way, everybody on the seventh floor of UT Hospital and everybody on the seventh floor of Select Specialty Hospital they don't know me as David Husky. They know me as Shirley Husky's baby boy because that's how she introduces me to everyone. All the doctors, everyone, this is my baby boy. Come meet him. But anyway, I'll take that any day, though. But, but here's what Mom did. She, she called me over to her bed, and she said, Son, she said, Listen, Jesus knows all about this. 
And she started quoting scripture. She said, listen, Jesus says in this world, we're going to have trouble. But we can have, take heart because he has overcome the world. Mama's preaching to me, right? She's starting to preach. And she went on to explain about the peace that God had given her during this time. This peace. She said, I've just got a peace about it. And I was anxious. I was worried. And, and she talked about how good God was to her. And all I could see was nine different medicines being pumped into her body, hooked up to kidney dialysis. And I'm thinking, is this good? But she's, she would say, she'd tell my dad, Bill, the Lord is so good to us. And I'm like, wow. And then she said, son, think about this. Look at all the people that God has allowed me to witness to and to share Jesus with while I've been in this hospital. And then I felt about this big because up until that point, you know how many people I had shared the gospel with while she'd been in the hospital? I quickly repented, okay? Quickly. But see, the difference in her attitude and my attitude, it, it was just all about perspective. She was sick and in the hospital, but she was spending time with Jesus. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. And I was wrapped up in, in, in self. She was trusting in God. She was living as a citizen of heaven. And I was just wrapped up living according to my flesh. And listen, this is her catchphrase. And she's told my dad this, I bet you a hundred times or more. Bill, you just got to let go and let God. Bill, you just got... I called him last Sunday between services. I said, how's mom? Well, I guess she's doing pretty good. She sat on the edge of the bed and she's preached for two hours now. I said, amen. Preach. But listen, believer, when was the last time that you left all the distractions of life behind and you spent some time with Jesus? Just you and Him. Just you and Him. Not in a Bible study. Not at church. Not driving down the road listening to music. But you just got alone and got quiet and just listened for that small, still voice. When was the last time? When is the last time that your focus was on Him and Him only? When is the last times that His words were all that mattered? Do you remember the last time it was that you sat at Jesus' feet and you just spent some time with Him? Hmm. You remember the Bible in Hebrews says this, anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Listen, church, we must decide today to live as citizens of heaven. If we call ourselves citizens, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we call ourselves Christian, listen, let's let our walk match our talk. And we need to, do, we need to decide that we're going to be citizens of heaven. See, too often we get wrapped up in the things of this world and we forget about the fact that our citizenship is in heaven. And I've got this little illustration. It's actually not snakes. But I got this little illustration to help me kind of demonstrate this. But I, the first time I ever did this for my youth group about 20 years ago over at First Baptist Church Pigeon Forge, I got printer paper. And we had about a 4,000 square foot warehouse we met in. And I, I, pay, I taped printer paper all the way around that building. Just all the way around and it joined. And... and then I saw Francis Chan use a rope, and I thought, wow, that's, he's a lot smarter than I am. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to go with a rope on this one. Um, but let's, let's say this, this rope 
represents your existence. It represents your life. And, and this, little, this little red part right here, from here to here, represents your life on this earth. And then, the rest of this is your existence for millions and millions and millions and millions of years at another place for all eternity. So you got this little time period here on this earth. And you know what really doesn't make a lot of sense to me? Is that we spend so much time focused on this little bitty amount of time. We're taught to go to school, make good grades, which nothing wrong with that. We're taught to, to, you know, get a great job, make a lot of money. And then we get to about this point in our life, and then we work, 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 work really hard to enjoy just this little bitty part right here. Hey, I'm going to get to this part in my life. I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. I'm gonna, you know, we, we, we might be able to, you know, stay gone for a month or two here. You know, we're going to eat well. We're going to do what we want to do. And if you're at that point in life, hey, listen, nothing wrong with that. But listen, that doesn't need to be our focus. What about this? What about this? What about way down here? What about this? We focus on this. I, I've got some friends of mine that are, that are not Christians. They're not followers of Jesus. And they don't understand why we meet on Sunday. They don't understand that. And we get to talking about things. And, 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 and they'll say, well, you know what? What, what you're doing here, what you're doing here is going to affect this. And they say, that's, well, I think that's crazy that what you do here is going to just affect this little part of your life. And I said, well, then you know what? I think you're crazy because what you're doing here is going to affect, listen, all of this. It's going to affect millions and millions and millions of years. Because the Bible teaches us, doesn't it, that what we do here, the choices we make here, especially that one big choice to follow and trust Jesus... This is going to determine how all of this goes. So why do we focus so much on just this little vapor of time that we have here on earth? The Bible says we should live as citizens of heaven. We should look to heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our thoughts should be fixed on heaven and on those things. You see, the Bible, the Bible makes it very clear when it comes to the believer living in this world. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. The Bible also says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good and pleasing, perfect will. It tells us to set our things and mind on, on heaven, on heavenly things, not just on earthly things. It says to store up your, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust and thieves can break in and steal them and, and stuff can destroy it. But it says to focus and store up your treasures in heaven. That's where our focus should be. Jesus said whoever tries to save his life in this life will lose it. But whoever will surrender and give up his life in this life will gain eternal life and find his true life. Listen, are you living as a citizen of heaven today? Are you living for this? Where's your perspective today? The Apostle Paul said this. He said, this one thing I do, 
this one thing. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race. I'm going to do whatever I have. I'm going to sacrifice, use self-control, all of that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be thrown in prison, beaten, shipwrecked. All these things are going to happen. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to press on to reach the end of my race and to receive my heavenly reward that's found in Christ Jesus. So where's our, where's our per- perspective today? Where does it lie? Listen, about 9 or 10 o'clock last night, I was looking over this, my message for the last time. I went to bed, and at, literally at 3.30, and this is, this is another part of the story. It's really awesome. About 3.30, I, was just, I just woke up, and I could not go back to sleep. And it's as if God was saying, you need to get up. You need to get up. And I'm doing a message on following and, you know, walking with God. So I thought, okay, God, let's get up. And he led me to two more passages of Scripture that I want to share with you today. But you know what's really cool about that? I had a church member come to me in the first service and said, you're not going to believe this. I woke up at 3.30 last night, and I was just told to pray. Didn't know what I was praying for, but I was just praying at 3.30. But now I know what I was praying for. I said, well, you should have called me. We could have talked, you know. But anyway, listen, I want to share this with you, but uh, a couple of verses just comes to my mind because we're, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about um, what's going to happen. In, in, in Matthew's Gospel, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 22. I want to read to you the parable of the, of the great feast, the great banquet feast, the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable saying, Now listen, the kingdom of, of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared dinner. My oxen and, and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding. Listen, it said, But they paid no attention, and they went off, one to his field, another to his business. They were worried about earthly, temporary things. And it says the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. He said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came... In to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Listen, this is a picture of one day. Jesus is preparing a big feast. And he's inviting everybody to come, but all are not going to come. And those who don't trust him as Savior, those that do, do not come to him, they're going to be cast out. And he's describing a place called hell. And you know, it'll be remiss if, if I have this up here that I don't talk about those two places that we're going to spend all eternity. It's either going to be a place called heaven or it's going to be a place called hell. And I know hell's not a real popular topic to preach on, but it's the truth. And God woke me up last night at 3.30 and said, you need to remind some people that there is a place called hell. My son talked about it. He preached about it. And listen, if you don't trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's going to be your eternity. 
Now listen to what the Bible says about hell. I'm going to preach a long time on it, but it says it's a place of regret. It's a place of outer darkness. It's a place of everlasting destruction, a, a place of great pain and ag, ag, anguish. There's weeping, gnashing of teeth, a place of loneliness, a place of total separation from God and all that's good. Max Lucado in his new book says it this way. He says, much perishes in hell. He says, hope perishes in hell. Joy and happiness will perish in hell, but the body and the soul of God deniers continue outside. Outside of heaven, outside of hope, and outside of God's goodness. But church, listen, I'm here to tell you, and if you're here today without Christ, I'm here to tell you, there is one good thing about hell, and it's a great thing. You don't have to go there. It wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for Satan and his angels. Listen, it's not prepared for you. Jesus Christ made a way for you to go to heaven. He came to this earth. He died on a cross, the cruelest death imaginable, because that's how much God hates sin. And He hung on that cross, separated from the Father. But He did that for you. He did that for me. And listen, I want to read to you just a little bit as Pastor Zach comes here in just a second, book of Revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ that he revealed to John. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful dressed uh, bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, you have a choice today to be a part of that. You can be a child of God today. But he goes on to say, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and liars, they will all be consigned to the fiery lake, burning with sulfur. And he says, This is the second death. Listen, if you're here today, you're breathing today there's hope in Jesus today he listen he wants to save you today he wants to secure your future here in this place today he wants to come alongside of you and 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 give you a better life he wants to give you a better citizenship he wants you to become a citizen of heaven today so listen if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Please look into your heart. Let's pray together.
Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.